Hello, listeners. You are about to listen to the Two Tools Baseball Podcast. This is a show for any and all baseball fans, and it is led by myself and my co-host, Travis. I'm what you would call a stats nerd, and my buddy Travis was a total stud on his D3 college team. Our goal is to try to show you how we view the game of baseball, and maybe we'll share a few laps along the way. So grab a drink, kick back, and join us on this wonderful ride through the 2021 MLB postseason. Enjoy. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Two Tools Baseball Podcast, episode number 30. 30 on the year, Alex. 3-0. 3-0. Uh, we're coming live to you guys on Wednesday night, October 20th. It's about 9 p.m. Um, at night. You know, right now, just finished watching the Dodgers and the Braves game four uh, of that series. And then, of course, Red Sox, Astros, that series, game five of the LCS for both leagues. Uh, but me and Alex, of course, wanted to come back to you guys mid kind of series and talk you guys through Basically, what we've seen the first almost half of the league championship series, and also go back and cover that pretty exciting game five of the wild card between the Giants and the Dodgers. I feel like we needed to come back and give our thoughts on you know what happened in those games. Uh, you know, go over some of the big moments, the big players that really came out, um, and we felt that you know coming to you guys later on in a couple of days for the World Series preview really wouldn't serve justice because we wanted to give our take on just so many exciting moments, and I think that game five really constituted us to come back and talk about it a little bit. So, uh, you know, on today's episode, we're going to be talking about Game 5 of the Wild Card Dodgers-Giants at San Fran, and then, of course, covering the first five games of the ALCS, what we've really seen from that slugfest. I mean, unlike any other playoff series I, I think me and Alex have seen so far in our life, it has been nonstop offense. And then also going to the NLCS uh, a little bit of an upset alert on that one right now with the Braves and the Dodgers. Some things that you know we have not really seen out of the Braves, and also some of the players on the Braves. So we'll cover that one. But you know we'll start it off with what happened first last Thursday, uh, Game Five, Wild Card, Dodgers Giants, uh, and you know Alex, it was a great pitching matchup. I mean, Giants turned to their ace, who is had his first season this year in Logan Webb, uh, came out of the gates really thrown well and then Dave Roberts really pulled a wild card out of his uh, out of his pocket and went with Corey Knable to start the game instead of Julio Urias so take me kind of through game five take me through the pregame of that what your thoughts were with that whole decision making and then of course how it transpired into the game yeah so um I'm glad you started with that you know Knable piece of the equation um, right when it was announced, Travis, I knew what Roberts was trying to do, and I liked the idea a lot. Essentially, everyone knew that Urias was going to get a bulk of the innings. Urias, obviously, a lefty. So what uh, Roberts wanted to do is, you know, the Giants are so platoon heavy. Lots of guys are only playing against righties or only playing versus lefties. So using the right-handed opener, then going to Urias... And then having a bullpen, which is mostly righties, you're really forcing uh, the Giants to blow a lot of their platoon, their pinch hitters uh, in the first half of the game. So hopefully late in the game, when you go with Jansen or Trinan or whoever it might be, hopefully you have hand in this advantage um, at that point in the most crucial innings. Um, 
and and it, it did work at the beginning. You know, um, Knabel did his job in the first. Even Gratterall came in before Urias, and he did good as well. Um, and then, of course, uh, Urias got, you know, the middle, you know, chunk of the, I think it was maybe four innings, perhaps. I, I don't have the Four numbers. innings, yep. Um, and so um, it worked well. And then the, what the Giants did was they just went with Logan Webb because the Dodgers, even though they, they, they platoon sometimes, um, in reality, the Giants knew they wanted the best guy for the job that they had, which was Logan Webb. And he pitched phenomenally. Um, it was a really, you know, the Giants... Uh, the way they lost the game, which we'll get to, um, was just brutal. But uh, Giants fans at least can hold on to the fact that they have a breakout star in Logan Webb, a guy that will be with the team for a while, I'm sure. And uh, he showed a lot of great promise in that game. Uh, having a big game pitcher that, that that's that that's that young is obviously a big deal. Um, but yeah, the both both the pitchers did their jobs for the most part. Um, both teams tacked on a run in the middle part of the game, and then. Um, it really came down, Travis, to... It felt like it at least came down to um, the final, I guess, the way the, the bullpen was managed by the Giants, and they went with Camilo, du, uh, Camilo Doval in the highest leverage scenario of the game, which was, uh, I think, a, probably a good choice. Um, you know, McGee was, is like kind of their left-handed best reliever, and Doval being their right-handed best reliever, and Doval is the guy they wanted to go um, as like a closer type for this series just because they haven't seen him as much. I mean, the Dodgers had McGee last season, um, and they had not seen Doval that much being a rookie. So um, it made sense, in my opinion, to give Doval the highest leverage, and you know he let Bellinger get a clutch knock. So uh, Travis, walk me through, I guess, what you thought about the Doval-Bellinger kind of, you know, Bellinger actually coming through in a big way in that game and then uh, the rest of that game. Yeah, I thought it was ex- excellent moves on both parts. I mean, Doval is electric. We saw him in, I think it was game three. Um, I know the, they had a really windy night in L.A., but Doval really came out and was just slinging the fastball. I mean, he looked terrific. And, of course, you're going to bring him out in a high-leverage situation, um, top nine. I think it to- might have been. I think that game you're talking about might have been six up, six down yeah, in the eighth and the ninth. Definitely, definitely. And especially when, you know, when, when you know, I, I think we've learned this mistake so much from managers. Um, and we might, we're actually going to get to this later on. But, you know, I, I feel like the ninth inning, when it's a tie ball game, you really want to, you know, bring in your top pitcher and your closer to get you through that ninth. Most closers, um, that's, that's their inning. And, you know, most guys are superstitious. And the ninth inning is their time to own and to feast on the other team's offense. So, um, I thought it was a good move still by Gabe Kapler to bring in Doval. Um, but you know what? I mean, for Cody Bellinger, the season, of course, did not go the way he wanted to, was ridiculously horrible in 2021. I mean, it really just a standout of a bad year for him. But the postseason is another time to kind of make up for that. And he's really made up for it right now, at least in the wild card game. Of course, had the really clutch walk in the wild in the wild card uh, wild card game, and then the uh, stolen base, and then, of course, the Taylor home run. But getting on base was so huge, and Bellinger was the one who did it. And then, of course, in the National League Division Series, Bellinger was the one who had the clutch hit to score uh, Justin Turner and move Lux over to third and get them the lead. Um, But, yeah, I mean, honestly, going back to the beginning, was really a little skeptical on the whole Roberts move. I knew Roberts wanted to be a little bit creative. I actually told a lot of people, I said, Roberts, I think if they win this game, Roberts will look like a complete genius. If they lose this game and it's because of the first couple innings, Roberts will literally might, might be struggling to have a job next season. He might have a tough time telling the Dodgers front office, 
you know, what his strategy was when Urias in game two was masterful. Urias in the entire season was masterful, and you only bring him out in the third or the fourth inning to go four innings in the game um, would be a questionable call. But, of course, Roberts comes out and has a great um, choice for Knable, then, of course, goes to Gratterall, then goes to Urias, and, of course, uses other guys uh, trying and I think got a maybe an inning and then of course Kenley who's been masterful gets an inning and then of course Scherzer I mean Scherzer coming out and getting the ninth inning save um, I, you know I feel like we've seen a lot of that from Dave Roberts having his star pitchers come out and try to get the close or the save in the you know coming out either in the eighth or the ninth inning um, and ended up ended up working for him but um, let's jump to that ninth inning because there was a very key moment um, that happened for the Giants so of course I think it was a uh, Chris Bryant, of course, getting on from an, a rare air from Justin Turner. Yeah, I think that really kind of turned the tide to, uh-oh, is this a Dodgers meltdown that just waiting right. to occur? Um, and then, of course, you have uh, Lamonte Webb come or Lamonte Wade Wade come in and uh, rip a foul ball that I think the entire uh, world thought that ball might have been leaving the ballpark, but it was pulled a bit foul. Um, but he strikes out, and then Wilmer Flores comes up um, and gets to a two strike count. Um, and then of course the strikeout call, the very questionable call, Wilmer Flores, check swing, yeah. uh, check swing, Wilmer Flores holds up, but of course the umpire calls him out, calls it a strike three game over series owner series over and Dodgers, um, advance. So talk me, take me through <laughs> what you thought about that. We've had so yeah. many umpire disputes this whole entire season. That one was a very bad call. Yeah. Uh, essentially if you just look at like the the numbers behind it, like the odds are, if that does get correctly called a ball, it's one and two, and Wilmer Flores is still up against Max Scherzer, and the tying run is on first. Yes, but uh, the odds the odds of the Giants winning is still very small. But the key thing is that as a Giants fan, you really wanted to felt like at the end you got beat, and obviously they did get beat, but it felt like the umps were a part of it. Um, at the end of the day, the Dodgers won the game, and you know the way baseball has been going is the umps are just making really bad calls. But it's usually pretty uh, split, and we can talk about this again for the Astros Red Sox series because just last night there was tons of controversy again with the home plate umpiring. But uh, essentially, Travis, all I'll say is I think it should be reviewable. They should make check swings uh, reviewable. Um, they should it, make ninth inning calls reviewable. It, 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 <laughs> honestly. It's it's just getting to the point where I it shouldn't be that hard to just have an earpiece on the home plate umpire, use the earpiece to speak with someone that's in a replay booth. It should take no more than thirty seconds. It's not going to slow the game down hardly at all. Just a quick challenge, um, and there's no reason why that kind of call should be missed in such a key spot. Um, yeah, at the end of the day, I think it probably didn't change much. Um, in terms of that game, that was such a... At that point in the game, Dodgers probably had like a 90% chance to win anyways. But if that happened to my team, Travis, I know I would never forget it. So I would be living. It, yep. it, it, needs, it needs to be something that's reviewable in the future. And I hope the MLB is putting lots of thought into some way of, you know, maybe not jumping straight into robot strike zones, but at least some sort of uh, more streamlined, more efficient review that's not going to slow the game down, but still be able to get more calls correct because it's been an issue all season. Definitely. I mean, I'm, I'm still holding a grudge from 2005 and I mean, yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't even 10 years old yet. Yeah. So, 
Uh, no, I definitely understand that. And like you said, I think when it comes to playoffs and even like later innings, that kind of stuff needs to be reviewable. That that really cannot be a way that a series ends. I know a lot of Dodger fans were saying, um, you know, what comes around goes around because of that Darren Ruff call in July. Yeah. That, you know, really halted the or, you know, let let the Giants go ahead and win that ball game, which, you know, in July felt like a meaningless ball game. But you look at the end of the end of the season. Giants win the win the win the division by one game. You know, if that would have went the Dodgers' way, we'd be probably playing a one sixty three. Could have been Giants in the wild card game, and then the DS, and then the Dodgers, of course, would just be in the NLDS. But um, you know, it, you know, it, it's just a rough call. But you know, I will say, you know, Giants, um, you had eight innings to score another run. You know, you only let you only scored one run. You look at the last three games, you scored one run in game three, and that was barely enough. You score two runs in game four, and then you score one run in game five. You know, you look at the last three games of the series, your offense only scored four runs. That can't happen. You cannot clinch and get to the next round by having that bad of an offense um, against, you know, a good Dodgers bullpen and pitching staff. But still, um, if you're the best team in baseball and and the best team in the NL, you got to prove it and, you know, at least show it with the offense. But, um, you know, an an exciting series, I I, I think... I think a lot of people were, you know, surprised at the outcome. I think some Dodger fans were thinking, oh, it's just going to be the way, you know, the Giants are going to get us this way. You know, they're going to, they're going to, you know, we're going to go back to San Francisco and they're just going to beat us there. But, um, you know, really, really good play by the Dodgers and, and you know, staying in that game. Um, and then, of course, Bellinger with the huge hit um, to clinch the division series and, you know, make their way to Atlanta. But um, that pretty much sums up the wild card game. I mean, really, really honestly special way to end a big rivalry in a game five i know um all eyes were on that game they were the only game of the day um before the lcs started for the american league but uh let's jump into the american league um championship series that started on october 15th on friday um red sox astros rematch of the 2018 alcs and alex all i can say is the hit the hitting ain't dead in the al i mean the hitting is not dead um Right now we're through five games and it's Astros thirty one and it's Red Sox twenty eight. If you know what I mean, that's how many runs they both have scored through five games. So wow. the hitting is alive in both series. Take me through what you've seen in this series so far through the first five games. Yeah, so it seems like you're summing it up well. This the tale of the series has been, you know, some good starting pitching. Uh, you know, I guess on paper, there's some pitchers that I like in this series, but in reality, the bats have really taken over. Um, just in, in going both ways, um, for example, Nate uh, Ivaldi, I think, has been great all year. I think he has been great all postseason. Um, he allows a, a lot of men to get on base and a run to score in a really crucial moment um, just in game four to allow the Astros to get the, the series back to 2 2. Now, of course, it's 3-2 Astros' favor after they had another offensive onslaught um, today. They got to Chris Sale, who, Travis, I think you'll agree, has not really been himself. I know he went on a COVID leave at the end of the season. He came back from injury, was uh, solid, you know, yeah. hard, hard to tell because he just kind of came back. Mm-hmm. Had a COVID leave for a couple weeks, comes back towards the very end. His last outing of the season was not very good. They pulled him quick because... It was a must-win game to avoid uh, Game 163. And then every outing he's had in the postseason, I don't think he's made it, made it past like three innings, honestly. I think it's been a short leash pretty consistently. T- 
teams have been getting to him early. The Astros did exactly that. Jordan Alvarez, an oppo homer over the green monster, was just so much muscle behind it. Yeah, <laughs> that, that guy. Yeah. That guy swings the bat hard. Um, and then of course the uh, the Astros just didn't really let up. They had dropped a five spot in the fifth or sixth inning, and um, the game seemed like it was kind of over from there. Uh, the Astros, I think Travis have really found their groove at the right time in order to, you know, they're going back home. They have to win one of the next two games. They're both going to be at Minute Maid in Houston. And if they do win one, they're going to be playing the Braves or the Dodgers in a World Series. And I just I just think that the Astros, um, like I said, they're catching momentum at the right time. Fanber Valdez has kind of stepped into the uh, starting pitcher one role with McCullers being hurt. Um, McCullers is someone who I believe is a true difference maker in these kind of series. He pretty much won them two games against the White Sox. There was two different yeah, games definitely. where he stepped in and held a really good offense just a couple runs in both games. So, um, and he went into like the sixth inning. Like he like, you know, he really was, um, you know, a workhorse and effective at limiting runs. So um, for to lose him and to have someone like Vamar Valdez step up and kind of be the the guy in the in the rotation. Um, it's going to be important for the World Series to kind of keep that going, because Luis Garcia, I like what he brings to the table. Um, you know, Granky, how much does he have left in the tank? It's hard to say. In a big game, I still feel like I can trust him at least a little bit. Um, Christian Javier, you can get good, some good stuff from him. Same with Urquidy. But in reality, the Dodgers or the Braves could tee off on all of those guys, and it's going to be up to the Astros bats to be hot. And right now, they are hot. So. Um, I'm excited to see. Uh, I think that they, I like them. I'll just say I like them, uh, you know, uh, I guess taking care of business at Minute Maid. Yeah, and we've been so high on the Astros all season. I mean, I know our first, you know, postseason episode a couple weeks back, we both, of course, were saying, you know, Astros are looking like they're going to be the team to win the World Series this year. And, I mean, it's still something to feel very confident about. Um, of course, I would say probably 24 hours ago, it was not something to feel very confident about. I mean, the momentum and how the series and the tides have just shifted. Um, I was watching the game earlier today, and it was probably around, you know, 5 o'clock when the game was ending. And, um, you know, Astros just totally buried the Red Sox today. And, I mean, I, I'm just thinking back to um, last night, Tuesday night. The Red Sox have a 2-1 lead. First off, the Red Sox start off the first inning with a two-run bomb from Bogarts off Granky, And you're just like... Oh, God, here it comes again. The Red Sox scored 12 runs on Monday night. Now they're coming back again, and they're just going to slaughter this just defeated Astros pitching staff. I mean, you need pitching to get yourself in a good shot to win the ballgame. And, I mean, I just don't know who the Astros would turn to. Um, you know, Granke did a decent job. And then, of course, the bullpen, Christian Javier, really held them and did a great job holding the Red Sox to keep them at two runs. Um, Altuve then in the eighth inning having a huge, huge home run um, over the Green Monster to uh, actually pass Derek Jeter on the all-time postseason home run mark. Right. Just an insane kind of stat that this 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 guy, Jose Altuve, is a top three postseason home run hitter of all time. I mean, just something you just want honestly think about, and you really just can't believe how many postseason games he's played and how much success he's had in the postseason. But... Um, you know, Altuve hits the home run, it's tied. You go to the ninth inning, Ivaldi comes in. Another really kind of questionable, but also Cora is going with his guy. Ivaldi has been the guy all postseason ever since he did great against the Yankees in the wild card. Um, that's where kind of the tides and everything turned with a very, very interesting missed call from the umpire again. Um, 
Evaldi throwing, you know, kind of just almost like a curve slider that really just broke right in and was a strike against Jason yeah, Castro. Just nicked the corner. Nicked the corner was a called was a strike, but was not called to strike. And Jason Castro made him pay, got the lead to three two, but not just got the lead. The entire Astros lineup. It, it's almost like that hit by Castro to give him the lead has just now ewoken this sleeping giant in the Astros because they ended up scoring seven runs in the bot in, in the top of the ninth. And then of course today they score nine runs in today's ball game and have just looked like a completely different team. Of course, Framber Valdez having an absolute great, great pitching performance today. And in game one, he's honestly their game one starter. It looks like for uh, the world series, if, when they, if, and when they get there, um, if McCullers can't come back, but he needs to be their top dog because, um, Urquidy and also um, Luis Garcia have struggled very much so far in this championship series. But I mean, just just insane that this today at five o'clock, I would have said, you know, looking back 24 hours ago, the Red Sox are in full control right now. Their offense is so good. This Astros hit, you know, this Astros offense and their pitching staff is completely lost. And it just it's crazy that that ninth inning things just awoken for the Astros right now. Yeah, um, you mentioned that Evaldi, you know, curveball, nicks the zone. Um, it's honestly, you know, if you're a Red Sox fan, uh, it's a brutal it's a brutal moment for you. Um, the truth of the matter is, uh, I saw one of those, like, umpire report cards uh, just on Twitter this morning, um, and there, uh, I think it was Laz Diaz is his name. I think it was just a... It was Laz, yeah. It was, it was, just, <laughs> yeah. A, it was just a brutal performance across the board. I think Passan, Jeff Passan had a, a tweet saying... It was the most missed ball strike calls um, of the season, if mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. I, I seen I saw something on that too. Yep. On that umpire report card, it just showed about like you know twelve to fifteen like balls on the outside, middle like kind of middle of the zone, but outside by at least like an at least like a ball length outside, mm-hmm. and they were just getting called strikes consistently. So I think pitchers were kind of just almost abusing this kind of zone, and, and I guess that that corner that uh, that just Evaldi just nicked and got on Castro. I guess that was not part of Diaz's zone, um, you know, last night, and it really did cost the Red Sox in a big way. It almost Evaldi almost got out of the jam, but I mean, at the end of the day, if you drop a seven bomb in one inning, like it means the Astros are probably coming. But um, but yeah, at the end of the day, if you're a Red Sox fan, you feel like you're a bit robbed, and I could understand that. So um, yeah, it, it, you're correct. It has totally swung the momentum of the series because um, the Astros. Bath looked alive today, and the Red Sox really didn't. They had a Devers solo home run. Besides that, didn't manufacture any other uh, runs against you know Fernando Valdez and and uh, and the bullpen. So, um, yeah, I think the ALCS. I assume you're leaning Astros as your pick with these two games left. It makes a lot of sense. Three two Definitely, going yeah. going home, but um, yeah, I mean, I after seeing games two, uh, which was in Houston, and game three, and how good. Boston's offense looked in those games. You can't rule out Boston to win the next two. Not at all. You can't yet. Um, so Travis, I guess I think there's a roadmap for their success. I don't know if they've announced any pitchers yet, but I think there's three guys who you have to give over half of the innings to. I think that they should start Game Six with Tanner Houck mm-hmm. because he has had a bit of rest now. I don't think he's pitched in the last couple of days, if I'm not mistaken. And I think he brings a lot to the table. I think he'd be a great um, kind of guy that Ashford probably have not seen that much. Um, so I would rock with him. And then 
game seven, I would start Evaldi regardless of rest. I think he needs Definitely. to start Definitely. the winner-take-all game if you get there. And then I think Pavetta should get long relief for whichever game uh, the pitcher struggles more, I guess. If if, if, if Hauk does struggle, go Pavetta. And then if, if Hauk does great, then leave Pavetta for, uh, back up in game seven. But I think those three guys have all been very good overall in the postseason, um, in the regular season as well to some extent. So... Um, I think there is a roadmap for Boston to still succeed. I think they have, you know, like I said, these three good pitchers who can all give you lots of innings, who are somewhat rested. Um, you know, Evaldi not so much, but that was just one inning in that one game, less than an inning. So um, I do think that there is, like I said, a roadmap for Boston to get it done in Houston. I still think that, you know, um, Houston's bats are just in the perfect spot right now. But they're probably looking at like a Luis Garcia Jose or Keedy or maybe a, yeah they're gonna have to get creative if it goes to game seven because I don't know if you trust or Keedy to give him the ball there but um yeah I honestly think I like Red Sox pitching game six and seven better but it just it's, it'll come down to the Houston's bats just like it did the last couple nights no you're right and, and I mean I think game seven is a definitely a game where rest really shouldn't be too much of a factor I mean we saw it with the with the uh, Dodgers and the Giants. I mean, Scherzer coming out there to close it. I think that Game 7, it's all hands on deck. You have a trip to the World Series on the line, nine innings away from a trip to the World Series. So I think Game 7 is definitely um, anyone, everyone can go. Um, you know, and I, th- I think Game 6 for the Red Sox is, of course, the, a huge and a crucial game for that. I'm actually thinking about even going Evaldi Game 6. I think that getting him out there and getting that secured 3-3 tie is, you know, something that the Red Sox really needed to take advantage of right here because right now you're looking probably at Evaldi and Luis Garcia or Keedy. I don't really know who else they would have. I mean, there's no McCullers. And so um, I would take advantage right now and get that win in game um, game six because, you know, game seven, I think Framber is definitely a guy that will be utilized a lot. I think that... Uh, securing Game Six is probably the most important thing right now for Alex Cora. Also, of course, Pavetta and of course and um, Hoik, Hauk, Hauk. <laughs> I'm going to screw up the name forever. But those two guys, of course, in relief. If not, um, you know, if Evaldi gives you a great start, maybe you save those guys for Game Seven. Um, I think Erod honestly should be a guy coming out of relief. I don't like him starting. I don't know why. I just don't have the trust that he can repeat his performance from Game Three. And well, I, why do you think that is? Because he was obviously super great. He was great, and he did a great job. I just don't know if performing in that kind of pressure in Houston, where those fans can really get on you, I don't know if he would do very good. I just, for some reason, I don't really have the numbers to back me up. I just have more of a, you know, almost a superstitious kind of feeling that the Astros would just rock him in Houston. I don't know why. I just have that feeling. Um, sometimes some calls are just built on that, but. Uh, I would definitely try to grab, of course, game six. That, that's, of course, the, you know, you got to win game six to get to game seven. So the Red Sox, of course, are almost going all hands on deck game six. Um, it's not impossible. You just got to win two games. Of course, you're not playing at home, but you won game, you know, you won game two um, substantially. The offense, of course, needs to wake up. The Red Sox, it's, it's just really funny. Game two and three, their offense was historically good hitting three grand slams yeah. in two games in one postseason. So they definitely have history right there. And, of course, the, the runs, 12 runs in game three, nine runs in game two. Um, you know, you're almost you're 20, 20 plus runs in two games. That That is pretty, pretty good. And then, of course, game four and five, 
you're only looking at three runs total. And then that, that of course, you cannot win a postseason game against the Astros, only scoring three runs in two games. So um, offense wake up. I think Evaldi goes game six, hopefully. But we'll see, of course, what, uh, you know, Cora has. Of course, he knows his players better than we do. But just by seeing this, I think game six, Evaldi. Evaldi's your guy. Evaldi is the guy you got to ride. Um, and then, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Evaldi is somehow lurking in the bullpen of game seven, you know. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they just have some sort of freak thing going on right there. But, you know, who knows? You think you will see him back-to-back games? You know what? I mean... That would surprise me. That I, would, that, I don't think I've ever seen that before. That would surprise that, me, but but I think it, I, I think I have to see and see how it goes. If, if Evaldi, of course, goes seven... It depends on innings, on uh, pitches thrown. I don't even course. think we've seen a starting pitcher go seven in this postseason. Actually, no, we have. Logan Webb, my bad. Right. But, I mean, I don't think... If he goes seven, then it's very, very rare... Um, if he goes five, I think you can definitely see it happening. I think they could easily see, you know, you have, you know, five batters in you right now, Evaldi or something like that. But um, it'll get interesting. I mean, they have an off day to travel tomorrow and to kind of plan this out. And I know Cora definitely, um, you know, has all of his guys on deck. I mean, Erod pitched in game three, did really well. So he should be pretty rested. Um, and then, of course, Evaldi pitched in relief on, um, you know, not even an inning on game four, but um, I think he had a, a, a maybe about 20, around 20 pitches in game four in that ninth inning. But um, Evaldi and Erod are definitely, you know, due for 60, 70, 80 pitches in a game so far right now. So, I mean, I think Evaldi should get the start game six. That's the way I'd be leaning. Interesting, interesting. So, yeah, I I do, I'm, I'm a lot higher on Erod than you. I think he has had really good numbers all season, just... The ERA is less than what you'd expect, but I think a lot of his other stats are pointing that he, um, I, I don't know, I would trust him in, in, in a big moment. You know, the, like you said, you never you never know when the pressure's going to get to a player. That's just a, a factor that's not going to be seen in your regular season stats, right? Your regular season stats can look one way, and then in the big moment, it could be the pressure gets to you, or it could just be you had some bad luck in that moment. So it's hard to predict, but I do like Erod. I just don't know. You know, like you said, Game 7 would be all hands on deck. I could see maybe Erod coming in relief in that game, like you mentioned, just because maybe you start with a guy like like Hauk or a Pavetta, and then you have a lefty come in on the bullpen, go back to some more righties to close it out, something like that. But I think one of the issues um, the Red Sox are running into right now is I don't think there's that many guys they trust in their bullpen. I think there's just a handful of guys. Brazier, I think they trust. Whitlock, they trust. Um, I think they trust You know, a lot of the starting pitchers, even their third, fourth starters. Pavetta... Erod, they are trusting more than some of their middle relievers, right? So we're just seeing them kind of get thrown into these bigger moments, which um, I think it works as long as the bats are there and the bats have not really been there the last couple games. Um, and Travis, it kind of comes down to this. Do you really expect, you know, Kike Hernandez to be batting 500 for seven straight games, eight straight games, nine straight games? When does it end, right? Because obviously yes. no, one can sustain, no one can sustain that forever. So at what point does it end? And uh, these last couple games, the Red Sox bats have really quieted down. You know, Schwarber has been amazing all playoffs. J.D. Martinez has had a really great series himself. Um, even good against the Rays um, when he did play. Devers has been good too. So Bogarts, big home run. So Travis, it really comes down to the fact that these bats are so hot. And that's what you want in the, in the postseason, right? The postseason is won by, I think, hot pitching and hot bats. It's about momentum, but, you know, can, like I said, can Kike Hernandez bat 
500 for how much longer? So the fact that he kind of slowed down the last couple of days and uh, the Red Sox kind of slowed down as a whole, it, uh, I don't think it's a good look for their next two games. But like I said, if, if just they get a spark again and they get the momentum again, then they obviously can just win it all. So Yeah, and it's very interesting that after game one, I mean, just looking at game two and three, how how the Red Sox offense just woke up. And then you just look at game four and five and how the Astros offense woke up. And it's just, it's, it's kind of just a crazy trend and just the way that it's going right now. Um, interesting to see if game six, you know, things kind of get a little bit more of the pitching side of, you know, the game that we've been seeing kind of in the NL than it has been so far. I mean, it's just been um, slaughter fest by these offenses so far in the AL. And that's kind of the story of the ALDS as well. The Red Sox and Astros just kind of took it to their opponents um, with the bats. So, uh, no, it'll be a fun two games. Um, Alex, in your prediction, do you think this thing ends in six or do you think it ends in seven? (sighs) Interesting. I I wish I knew the pitching... uh starting pitcher for uh, Red Sox. I wish if it was announced, that probably could be a better idea. I'd be surprised if they go Evaldi. They definitely could, but um, it's hard for me to say. I, I, I would just lean Astros based on momentum. Okay. I think I would lean Astros. I think Luis Garcia is better than what he did in game two. Um, the Red Sox bats were just so hot. So if he can get off to a decent start, a clean like first couple innings, I think he can ride the momentum and keep the damage kind of small. Um, I'm leaning Astros, I'll say. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. But yeah, if it goes if it goes to seven, meaning the momentum starts to shift back to the Red Sox, then I'd be scared if I was the Astros because um, I think there's a few more guys that you feel like you can really trust, um, like guys like Pavetta, uh, Hauk, like I said. Yep. These guys can give you three or four innings in the middle of the game um, in a big game, and I would trust them more than a lot of the middle relievers on, uh, on Houston. So... I'll lean Astros to win Game Six, but if they don't, it could get it could get sloppy, and it could be Mick for a great Game Seven. Definitely, definitely. I think I'll stick with my pick. I think um, last podcast I talked, I think I said Astros in five or six, um, and, I'll, and I'll keep that. They'll win. Um, they'll win Friday and clinch another spot to the World Series. Um, it seems to be the trend for the Astros. Uh, you know, every other year. <laughs> yeah, I mean they've, you know, the continued success that they've had. Maybe they're the new team, like the they're the new Giants, but they go odd years, you know. It oh, just seems I like see, 17, I, 19, 21, I, I you see, know. I see so. what you mean. But it, it, it's impressive what they've done. They lose a guy like Morton. They lose a guy like Cole. They lose – Verlander's been out all season. Springer. Uh, they lose Springer, of course. Uh, you know, the list goes on. And they're still just keep running it back. It's really impressive. And they're going to lose Correa most likely this offseason. They will lose Verlander and Granke most likely. And they could resign some of these guys, but – you know, free agents that are going to want to get some 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 payday. Um, I wonder how long, how much longer this ride will last with these Astros. Um, it seems like they could possibly lose Correa and just run it back and make another CS. I wouldn't be surprised, honestly. Definitely, they're just that good. Definitely. So definitely, um, Tucker has gotten a lot better. Yordan is being great too. So the young, the youth in the organization is filling up the spots of the guys that that are leaving. So um, very impressive by them. Um, we can probably switch to the NLCS now, Travis. Yeah, NLCS. Um, and this, of course, I kind of want to take a deeper dive into almost the, the four games that we've seen, or at least two or three of the games that we've seen, because uh, we've had some very interesting and very uh, just exciting games from these uh, two teams. But we'll go back to the, uh, we'll take a step back to, you know, before we recorded the last podcast, me and Alex, of course, both gave our outcomes 
um, for the uh, NLDS game five. And we both went Giants. We both, of course, um, wrong on that one. And then, of course, we kind of gave our picks for who would match up with the Braves better in a series. And I think me and you both agreed um, if it's Dodgers, the Dodgers probably just easily take away, take this series from the Braves. It's it's a no problem. I think I even said Dodgers would probably win this in five, if not four. Um, I could see them just handling the Braves very, very easily. Um, and I think you might have mentioned the same thing, too. I think you said the Giants or the Dodgers will be taking care of business against the Braves. Yes. Um, without a doubt. I mean, just these two teams are way, way more powerful than the Braves. The Braves, of course, the worst division team via the record yeah. in all of baseball this year. Um, it... <laughs> It has not been that way right now. It has right. not been that way. These Braves are cooking, and certain players are cooking right now for the Atlanta Braves. But, you know, let's start off with kind of that first game. Um, you know, Dodgers, of course, crazy dub against the Giants. Then, of course, they fly to Atlanta that next day. They, of course, I, I'm not saying they have a little bit of a hangover, but, you know, they've been playing a lot of baseball. They played a wild card game, and then they went to San Francisco to play a five-game tough tough battle against the Giants while the Braves play no wild card game beat the Brewers in four games and are kind of just waiting and resting for the uh, Dodgers or the Giants so uh, Dodgers win they get to stay uh, and have home field advantage so they're pretty much just waiting for them staying rested staying fresh and you know game one it was it was honestly a it, it was a very, very good game when it came down to the wire because, I mean, it comes down to a 2-2 ball game in the ninth inning. Um, both pitchers are doing great. I mean, I, it, it was funny how Roberts went again to Knable to start that game, kind of almost went the same philosophy. I was kind of okay with it for the Giants, but in all honesty, I was not okay with it to start game one. I figured, why would you want to show all your bullpen weapons now in game one if this series goes 7 They've already seen everybody. And of course, with this series right now, both teams have already seen everybody because the bullpen has been utilized so much. But I thought it was a very interesting move by Roberts to go again to a bullpen-styled game in game one um, because, of course, Bueller pitched in game four and Scherzer closed out game five. So, uh, you know, you didn't really have anyone, but I knew you had to go to something of that style. I thought Gonsolin would have got the start because he had missed his start in the NLDS because Bueller had to go game four. But just take me through that. Game one, thoughts on Roberts again going with the bullpen kind of styled game? Yeah, I think a bullpen game made sense. Uh, going Knable inning one, um, I think that must be something they must have talked about where maybe Knable gave Roberts some sort of confidence saying maybe he used to be a starter. He's like, I like going game one. You know, maybe that inning one, I should say, maybe that's the that's just the way he he's used to, I guess, going about things. But um, yeah, I don't have a problem with not going uh, Gonsolin. We saw today, Travis Gonsolin uh, got hit pretty hard by the Braves. So yeah. uh, he's, and, and I believe actually just in last year's NLCS, Gonsolin also got some outing uh, against the Braves and got hit pretty hard. Um, short leash for him in that series. Uh, so I have no problem with them avoiding Gonsolin and, and going with just bullpen arms exclusively. I don't know if I would have gone Knable on, you know, essentially back-to-back outings uh, starting off. Maybe he wanted to create some sort of, uh, I guess, maybe some sort of, uh, I guess, established role where Knable can feel like, you know, they trust me as this opener, and maybe they're trying to establish that. But I agree that it didn't really work uh, the way that they probably hoped that it would. A guy you could have considered going is maybe like a Gratterall uh, to start that, you know, just, just someone who 
you put him him in against the other team's best pit, best hitters, when you see him for the first time, you're probably just thrown off no matter what because yeah. it's yeah. 102 and it's moving and it's going to be confusing you yeah. and throwing you off for sure. Tons of other options too. Honestly, you could even go Trinan because uh, he's someone else who's been so unhittable and you really want your first inning guy to be saying, okay, you're going to face their best hitters right now. Just get us through it unscathed. And um, yeah, I mean, I have no problem with the bullpen game in concept. But yeah, and, and Travis, the fact that it ended up being a walk-off also tells you that um, it was close. And that decision probably didn't cost you the game. What cost you the game was a, probably a lack of offense and maybe just, um, yeah, uh, I guess that, that's that's where I would, I would think about it. At least. Yeah, uh, no, I mean, again, a lack of offense. Um, again, two runs scored in the entire game, same as game five. So the offense, of course, hadn't woken up in Atlanta. But then also a very, very key um, bad base running by Chris Taylor in the ninth inning. Um, you know, a base hit by Bellinger, again, over the head of Albies. And, of course, uh, Taylor gets caught up kind of in a pickle between second and third, slipped, I believe, and um, was trying to make his way back to second base and, of course, was the last out of that inning. I know he definitely felt very bad because uh, Bellinger, again, comes up clutch in the ninth inning, not to score a run, but to at least extend the inning and to maybe draw a throw to third where he can be safe and Bellinger could be safe at second. Then the next guy comes up um, and can do his job possibly to get him in. I might have even been Mookie Betts. Actually, I'm not sure if it was Mookie Betts coming up next. But, but, you're, um, but you're right. Taylor getting caught in the pickle. Getting in a pickle with two outs in the ninth in a tie game is probably the worst possible thing you could do. And Taylor, I don't think, is a bad base runner. Um, but No, it's not just, at all. Not at it, all. It's just crazy that, um, you know, he rounded the bag instead of, you know, kind of playing it safe. With two outs, you'll probably take Chris Taylor on second just fine. You don't need to push third and make it close. I don't even think it would have been close. I think, I think he would have been gunned. I think he knew that, so he turned back, and uh, they, they threw to second, so they got him out. Um, but either way, like you said, um, a crucial mistake that, certainly certainly uh I, they're gonna be thinking about that you know t's gonna definitely. be thinking about that for a long time because that game one it would have been nice to steal definitely definitely and then we translate into game two um now you get your guy max scherzer gets to start and that game started out very smooth top of the first Corey seager two run homer everyone's got to be thinking okay dodgers will cruise to this win last night was just kind of a you know a hangover game from game five of the nlds we'll get through this game um but you know Ian Anderson for the Braves really kept them in. And after that home run from uh, Corey Seager, just blanks for the rest of the innings. Um, him and Freed, both really young guys, both pitching extremely well so far in this year's postseason, as they did in last year's postseason. Really good for their um, young careers. But, uh, you know, Braves come back with a two-run homer strike from who? The ex-Dodger, Jock Peterson. Um, kind of whole hurts his whole team that ball went 454 feet over the chop house i think there was a stat that even said that ball might have been the the, the longest ball hit at brave stadium that whole season mm-hmm. um just a complete shot uh against max scherzer uh and then you know you, the braves are just keep chipping away i mean it's it remains a 2-2 game till it gets later and this is a moment i want to talk about because um me and you of course are big fans of brian kenny and on LB Network, and he had a really good segment on you know the five things from game two that really kind of you 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 won't you won't sleep at night because of these things. Uh, we go all the way to the top of the seventh, and it's bases loaded, two outs for Chris Taylor, and he basically hits a line drive, but almost a shallow pop up line drive to center, uh, and the center fielder for the Braves misplays it. It goes past them. It's bases loaded, and two outs. You got to be thinking all three runs are going to score. 
but only two runs score, and Justin Turner is held up at third because he kind of got kind of a late jump and also uh, is hobbling a little bit because yeah. of injuries. Yeah, re- yeah, rewind. Yeah, he gets hit. He gets hit uh, to get on first base. He was a pinch hitter. He didn't start because he had like a, a, a weak neck or something wrong with his neck. So when you have a guy who you benched for injury, you put him in a pinch hit. He gets beaten by the ball. It's crazy that you don't pinch run for exactly. Him. It's really crazy. Exactly. Knowing that even that the speed and the people that they got on the bench, we told we saw today Walker Bueller got a pinch runner opportunity. You, I I guarantee you you pinch run with a starting pitcher and he probably scores there easily over over Turner easily. You probably got some of your fastest uh, pitchers on the bench there, uh, and they'll definitely get in for you. But just a crucial crucial time in the game because you know all looks good. It's a four two game. And the Dodgers look like they're just going to kind of cruise the last three innings to get the win, tie the series up 1-1. And then Dave Roberts does something, of course, that I didn't like. I don't think it's a very smart play. He brings in his Game 4 starter, Julio Urias, to pitch and to get maybe one inning, two innings, try to secure the win. I understand that he's trying to secure a win, but at the same time, I don't know why you're almost jeopardizing your game four starter in this ball game. I know it's a, you, you don't want to go to LA down Oh two, but at the same time, you're risking a lot. If Urias of course does not get through this and they tie it up, you pretty much, you made Urias not tired, but you've exposed him to that Braves lineup, which he did. And the Braves of course made him pay a really great slide by Eddie Rosario coming home to dodge that Ron Washington got oh, a lot yeah. of love on social media, but Ozzy Albies coming in with a very clutch single. And then of course, Austin Riley, kind of the guy that's, that just has stepped up for the Braves this year, comes through with a huge double to the wall off Urias and they tie it four, four. And I feel like from that moment, Dodger fans just kind of knew, you know, I, I feel like they were just thinking, you know, game one, you, st- you had a bullpen game and then game two, you bring in our game four starter. I, I, they just, you really can't understand the logic of what, Dave Roberts is going through his head right there. Sure, yeah, I'll, I'll give my input, I guess. So I, I think the issue that's been recurring for the Dodgers in this series, um, as well as probably the uh, you know the, the National League Division Series to some extent, but the issue that they keep running into is that their only real lefty reliever that they've been using in these games is uh, Vesia. And Vesia has been good, but you can't use him every game for multiple innings, right? And the Braves have Freddie Freeman... They have Eddie Rosario, and they have Jock Peterson, all guys who just love hitting righties. So I think that the mindset was that they knew in that inning you'd probably have to face Freeman, Rosario, and possibly Peterson if you get to the five-hitter. So I guess they wanted Urias for that reason for like the eighth and the ninth probably and just try to get a super save. Um, you if you're, if you're 1-1 going back to L.A., you probably feel great as if you're the Dodgers. Um, they knew Urias is not only their best left-handed pitcher on their whole roster, but he's probably their only left-handed pitcher that was available at that moment um, because we have, we've only seen Vesia and Urias up to that point in as any lefty in terms of their whole postseason. It was They had two lefty pitchers. So yeah. I understand why Roberts did it, and uh, the fact that it didn't work is going to have a lot of people pointing to Roberts saying it was a bad move. But, I mean, I just honestly think that I don't know which pitcher would have been better given who they already used there's an argument to say maybe you could have gone Jansen um in that spot but I just think against those lefties uh Robert said you know these guys are gonna hit a lot worse versus a lefty 
uh, they went Urias, and the bats stepped up anyways. And it's kind of simple as that in my mind. The bats stepped up. Uh, the Braves hitting has been, you know, very situational. It's been clutch. And just today we saw it kind of explode into a, a nine, I believe it was nine runs today. Oh, was that? Nine runs, nine runs today. You have game four. So it just kind of shows that, you know, the Braves bats have risen to the occasion. And I think you mentioned, Travis, you told me you're actually earlier today when we were watching the game, you said that Max Scherzer had a quote saying, the team just feels like they're kind of tired. And I would not blame them because they were pushing hard at the end of the season to try to get that top seed in not only the NL West, but the whole National League. They ended up not getting that. And it ha- cost them Max Muncy. Have to pay. Well, I mean, yeah. No, I, 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 know, I know what you mean. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to tell them that every time, I, you know, 10 times out of 10, you should be pushing for the first seed because no one wants to play a wild card game against yeah. those hot Cardinals. Yeah. They ended up winning that anyways. Then five games against your pretty much you would think your hardest your hardest opponent of the whole postseason, postseason yeah. is probably going to be the Giants. Um, that takes you five games. Uh, pitchers like Scherzer and Bueller went overtime in that series. And then, of course, uh, not a lot of rest going straight over to Atlanta. And the Braves are kind of ready for them. So, yeah, what I'll say is the Urias, you know, deal. I just feel like Roberts doesn't have a lot of guys he feels like he's super, super confident in. Um, a lot of injuries, of course. Kershaw is a lefty who you almost could have seen as another guy to go to or a guy who you could put in Urias and say, Kershaw will give you Urias' Uris, start in game four instead. Just another option, but, I mean, they're lacking options, and um, I think it's ultimately could be the demise for them this series. It's looking like the Braves are have all the control. No, definitely. And I, I even go back to that eighth inning with Urias. Um, you know, gets through... Um, actually, Rosario gets on, and then of course Freeman. I think he either struck out again or was, of course, retired, but had a very, very, very tough start to the series. Um, but then you go to Ozzy Albies, who's a switch hitter, and hits very well against lefties. That's right. He hits very well against lefties, and then next up you have Austin Riley. So that's my only thing with Roberts is you know you're almost praying that Urias can retire Rosario and Freeman, and then of course face Ozzy with the bases empty. But if that doesn't happen. Ozzy can very well tie that game with a home run. He ended up singling. Rosario scores. And then you have Austin Riley, who I would not want to face with a righty or a lefty. Right. Even more a lefty. And he, of course, makes Urias pay, hits it to the warning track in the wall, scores Albies, and the Braves tie it up and go 4-4 to the ninth. Um, And then the ninth inning, Alex, another kind of controversial call by Dave Roberts. It's the ninth inning. It's tie ball game. You need to win this game. You do not want to go back to L.A. down 0-2. I know you're going to go back home, and, you know, you're supposed to take this series 1-1 in Atlanta, but if you don't, okay, I still have confidence the Dodgers can still do a good job at home. But he decides to go to Brewster Gratterall and has Kenley Jensen on the bench warming up in the bullpen still, he had not warm- starting. He had him warming up before Gratterall even got up, mm-hmm. which is really interesting mm-hmm. that that was the case, and he still went with Gratterall. Knowing how good and how dominant this postseason run for Kenley Jansen has been. It is. It has been the best I've ever seen him in his career. Yeah, Jansen has been, I think, I forget, I saw the stat the other day, I don't remember. It was about one earned run in 20-something innings straight. Just okay. been super, super locked down, like you say. Um, yeah, I think essentially the move, in hindsight, hindsight is twenty twenty, but in that moment, I'm sure, you know, Maybe Dodger fans are frustrated with Jansen sometimes, but I think the move was Jansen easily for the clean ninth inning because um, Gratterall, of course, gave up a, gave up a bloop, got some traffic, and then 
the situations where Jansen always sort of is more likely to struggle is with uh, inherited runners are likely to score. And if he's being overworked for, like, say, give him the eighth and the ninth, he's not going to thrive in that kind of situation either. He likes a clean inning. Uh, and if he has to get three outs, he's very, very, very good at it, especially right now. He's, he's been he's been hot. But, you know, putting him up to up to uh, face Eddie Rosario there, Travis, I was saying Rosario should be swinging first pitch because Jansen is going to want to get ahead and he's going to want to kind of, um, I guess, kind of get into the zone. And Rosario shouldn't even give him the chance. Just, you know, be looking first pitch for just a cutter. Jansen just throws lots of cutters. That's his new thing, and just be ready to swing. And, and he was. It was hit straight to Seager, right? And it was just a little too hot for him to handle, and that was the game. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think every middle infielder will field it that way. I think every corner infielder will body up and almost become like a hockey goalie. Um, you know, me and just the way I play, it, it, it's always like you want to be a hockey goalie and just protect that bodied up. Don't let it get past you. But, of course, kind of a bad hop kind of just flicks off Seager's glove, um, you know, rolls into center field, and, you know, Dansby easily scores to win the game. Um, it was funny, you bring that up, the first pitch. I don't know why, it just before Rosario even swung the bat first pitch, in my head, I just had a flashback of 2017, and I remember they brought in Kenley to face Bregman in Game 5, one of the best playoff games, World Series games of all time, and first pitch, Bregman swings at a cutter, lines it over the shortstop's head, Astros walk off in that game. And I don't know why, but I just am always thinking like, okay, if he comes in and I'm a hitter, I'm thinking, okay, first pitch, you are swinging right here because two times in a row right here, Rosario comes through, Bregman came through. It just seems to be that way. Um, and you feel bad for Jansen because, you know, really he comes in with a tough situation. I know it's two outs, but a runner at second base, and you're thinking, you I know. Can't, I can't allow, because usually you're thinking, you know, if, if you have a clean inning, you can groove that cutter and usually be fine because usually yeah. the leadoff guy of the inning is kind of taking first pitch, seeing what Jansen's going to throw. But either way, if that does happen in the clean inning, it's a man on first base. Yeah. You're yeah. okay allowing contact. Of course, of course. But in this situation, two outs, man on second base, you want to strike the guy out. You, you can't afford to risk some sort no. of contact that's no. going to roll through. No. So Especially with, the, with you know, they have the shift on on the right side. So almost the left side is just... It's just yeah, you, you know you can't allow any third sort baseman. of and any sort of mistake. You're trying to pitch perfectly. Um, I guess you want to try to get ahead in the count and Rosario went and got him. Yep, yep. And so that pretty much transpired to the Braves winning that game. You know, I I if I had to blame one person for game two, I'm gonna have to just go with you know the captain and, and Dave Roberts. You know, the captain of the ship. I think he had just a lot of questionable calls. I think also pulling Scherzer a little bit too early. I think Scherzer didn't even, didn't even make it to the eighty pitch mark. Um, I feel like going game one with the bullpen, your game two starter needs to be a guy that can get you into the seventh, or I'm sorry, the sixth or the seventh inning um, at least. And I, I think he pulling him a little early and allowing this bullpen to be just fully exhausted and used after game two, um, something he may need to re re rethink. And, you know, honestly, um, that's the way it kind of transpired into game three. Um, and the bullpen, again, has just been used heavily uh, for that. So, you know, transitioning to game three at Dodger Stadium. Now you get Walker Bueller. And I think everybody, even myself and all, you know, Dodger fans, majority of them probably thought, okay, I think we have this one in the bag because Bueller has been very good this postseason. Um, he should have no problem pitching at home. The last time he pitched at home in the playoffs, we destroyed the Giants, you know, beat them comfortably. 
Um, not so much this game. I mean, the Dodgers start off with another Corey Seager two-run homer in the first. Great start to that game. But then it just was a collapse from Walker Bueller. Take me kind of through game game three and what you thought. If you were to watch it, two o'clock start. It was workday was not over. Right, workday was not over. But I I found a way to uh, catch what I could, and essentially, Travis, it became. I I wouldn't I would almost argue not so much a meltdown of Walker Bueller, but a meltdown of you know the Dodgers. The defense has to be included there. We all probably true, saw the yeah. we all probably saw the play of Gavin Lux warning track. Pretty much a pot fly. He was under it, just could not glove it. The sun, you know, like you said, two o'clock game. The sun is up. He does not really play center field. He's sort of out of position in a way. The ball is off the glove. It hits the ground. The runners are just all, you know, they're scoring. They're scoring. And uh, another play, I think it might have been the next batter, uh, a hard hit ball to Seager off the glove, dribbles into the shallow left field. More runs Adam score. Duvall, yep. More runs score. Um, it w- what it comes down to, Travis, is uh, I think a little bit better of a defensive outing in that inning. Uh, prevent some of the bleeding and Bueller is allowed to probably be extended to you know have a more complete you know quality start but um, there was no shot after the way that inning went that I think we all kind of knew Bueller was not going to be going deep into this game um, not too deep at least so and then of course I think, I think the Eddie Rosario walk with the bases loaded was just the icing on the cake for it was telling yes Robert saying I got to go to my bullpen again and it's the fourth inning only so yeah um, yeah yeah just just a rough one, and Walker Buehler could not find the strike zone after that. But again, like you said, it was not 100% Walker's fault. That ball it needs to be caught. Um, again, kind of just a uh, interesting way to shape your defensive alignment. You know, Bellinger, arguably, you know, one of your best outfitters playing first base. He's he is probably a top. I don't know. Three, four, at least five. Definitely. Defensive center fielder in no, baseball. Definitely, definitely. And so, you know, and honestly, I would even go so far as saying he probably ranks a little bit higher when you think about the glove and the arm against Mike Trout. His right. glove and arm could and, could and, be and the speed. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So it ranks Bellinger does it all out there. It ranks, you know, right there with the best in the game. And having kind of just a young guy in Lux not really too prepared with center field. I know he's more of a middle infielder playing center field, especially during that time of the day with the sun. Um, just a rough break, and you know, just it's funny where the Braves just hit it where they needed to, and 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 just let the, kind of the sun take its play. Later in the game, you saw right fielders even just shading their eyes, and you know they couldn't even see the baseball. I know Betts had a couple bad reads out there because of the sun, uh, but you know, I mean, another rough one for Dave Roberts going to the bullpen early and having to utilize that. Uh, Braves really broke out in this game five two, and then it really just kind of stayed silent. I feel like from the fifth inning till the eighth inning. Um, and then, of course, the eighth inning went through. Um, talk to me about kind of that inning and how that magic really happened with the Dodgers right there. Yeah, uh, Travis, I just remember I was sitting on the couch watching with my dad and, and my grandpa, and they, they panned to the parking lot, and there were cars leaving when it was 5-2 to two going into the eighth. And we all kind of said, you know, it's a three-run game. And if you end up winning this series, it's going to be because of this game. It's I, it's most likely not going to be a three zero. It's going to be because you clutched out this game and then got hot. Mm-hmm. Um, why would you leave? You know, maybe you got something to do. But I assume not. I assume you're just probably mad at your team. And of course, Travis, if any fans left that game, they're going to be pretty sorry because Bellinger, of course, he's almost been the hot bat, which he has not been all season long. It's been a brutal uh, twenty twenty one for him, like you mentioned, but. 
um, you know, got the clutch hit against the Giants in the biggest moment of that series. Um, and then also, of course, a three-run bomb um, to essentially tie up the game and give the Dodgers lots of life in the series. Um, I think I saw a stat just the, just today, before the game today, um, that Cody Bellinger has the most championship win probability added. That just kind of, it just kind of shows how much a player's at bat changed your odds of winning the World Series. And I think Bellinger has like a, he's raised the Dodgers percent, percent chance of winning by like seven percent mm-hmm. just by mm-hmm. beating the Giants. Which obviously that hit against the Giants, your t- your chance to win the World Series jumps up by a lot. Yeah. And then the three run homer to put you back in the series, you jump up a lot again. So. Bellinger has been the clutch bat by you know by every every measure essentially, um, and then of course Betts had a great at bat. Just you know I believe Taylor had a hit and then Betts came up and got a double, drove in the run. Um, yeah, it was a bit of a you know not not a huge meltdown. It was a bit of a meltdown by the Braves bullpen. I, I think their bullpen is um, there's some good pieces to it, but um, Snick, Snicker kept going with the same seven, eight, nine, um, and I just feel like. Having in those matchups, I feel like it's more important to look at the hit, look at the hitters that are coming up, and say, okay, who's our best guy to face Bellinger and Betts? Not, not opposed to saying, you know, who's our best guy for the eighth inning because who knows who's going to be batting in that inning. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Um, Travis, the pitch that Bellinger did, did hit out was about a foot above the strike zone. It was yep. about eye level, yep. and you know, there's an argument to be made that the pitcher um, has no regrets there because. And he even stated to no regrets, yeah. And, and and that comes down to the fact that you know hitting that kind of ball out is just uh, it, it's a tall task. You know, Bellinger somehow got a hold of it and got the barrel on the ball. I think I saw it was only like a ninety mile an hour like exit velo, so it wasn't even hit like incredibly hard. It just had the perfect launch. It just soared right over the wall. Um, so yeah, Bellinger, you know, he he won that at bat in a big way. Um, and then Travis, obviously, uh, they put in Jansen to a clean inning, and he did great that that outing. He three gave up, the, three down, three he, strikeouts. He, he gave the Braves no chance to, uh, you know, make the make it interesting and try to push a three. Make contact, yeah, right. So, uh, and then that, that Travis that leads us into today's game. Why don't you listen how that went? Today's game, uh, you know, it kind of was I would say a revenge game for the Braves. Uh, they came out here with a little bit of anger, um, and kind of proves my point. They went Urias game two. Urias got hit in game two. The Braves offense saw Urias. Today, they literally picked up where they left off, eighth inning, game two, um, scoring you know five runs against Urias early into the fourth inning, knocked him out of the game. Of course, Roberts had to go bullpen again. You know, same guys we see out there. Um, and so just kind of uh, you know j- just you you literally look at this game and you say you know from the start the Dodgers really did not show up to play today I mean they literally showed up to play yesterday in the eighth inning and that's about it um Braves take it to them and then of course Eddie Rosario the exclamation point on tonight's game in the end with a three on homer double away from the cycle and was probably about five feet oh you know if, if he didn't hit the, hit the ball that hard five feet less or five less feet he would have had a double Off the he would have had yeah. the cycle. Um, last cycle was Brock Holt from the Red Sox in 2018, but uh, would would have been kind of just something special to have a cycle this game. But went ahead and said, you know, I'm just going to hit the second home run of the game, uh, you know, and pretty much go out there with 12 total bases today. So uh, Eddie Rosario was a complete stud today. He was hitting anything that was thrown to him, lefty or righty. He was doing great. Same thing with Freeman. Went out there and hit a home run against Urias as well as well. 
Um, it really see, seemed like the lefty hitters today were hitting Urias very, very well. And I think that's what the Dodgers plan on always doing is um, matching up. And it just seemed like the Braves hitters were not really they're caring. Up, they're up for it. They, yeah. they weren't really caring who was coming out to throw. They were going to hit them. Um, and that's the way you got to go about it. I think that these matchups, the Giants really kind of lost themselves with these matchups. And um, they let the Dodgers kind of control them with these matchups. And basically, for me, it's just, you know, go out there with the guys that I think are going to be um, reliable and get them done. Now, of course, in a regular season, I am very strong on that. You know, matchups are very important. But I think that in postseason, you can kind of get a little bit too caught up on the whole matchup play where, you know, here's your starting nine. Go out there and play. I think the Braves do a great job with that. And I think the Astros do a great job with that as well. Same thing also with the Red Sox. I know that the AL has a DH and you're going to have a really consistent lineup all the time. But um, I think we've just seen these matchup plays um, go a little bit more the Braves way with just guys going out there and playing. Jock Peterson still, of course, having a great series. Um, and, then, and then, like I said, Rosario. Rosario is their big, you know, kind of platoon guy. And he's just been going off this NLCS. So, um, proved to be a big bat today. Um, anything else you have on that game for? Yeah, um, I th- yeah, I think we both know this. You and I just kind of will have some disagreements on certain things. I, I'm a big platoon guy. I think platooning is going to get more common in the future. I think a lot of teams are, um, I guess, kind of still experimenting with different uh, ways to go about it. Jock Peterson is a guy who has historically been platooned because he is just a lefty bat who just is not good against lefty pitchers. But earlier in the playoffs, he had a big home run off a lefty pitcher. I think it was against the Brewers um, that won in the game, essentially. And, you know, that's just going to happen. And guys uh, can beat, they can, you can have a lefty batter kind of beat the lefty pitcher and sort of surprise you in that way. But um, I think a team like the Giants, uh, like you said, how they're kind of built about matchups. And, you know, a guy like, a guy like, uh, Lamonte Wade uh, is really good against lefties, and he's really bad against righties. That's just what. The, sorry, other way around. He's very good against righties, very bad against lefties. That's what. That's what his, his seasonal stats just kind of say about him. And so, um, you know, kind of riding, riding or dying with your nine guys, um, it can be tough when uh, a lefty reliever comes in and you want to take Wade out and put in someone who's better in that slot. So, I can't knock the platoon stuff, um, but I just think that um, the Dodgers are in a spot where it almost feels like. They don't have that much choice with their lineup because, of course, we're talking about Muncie injury, forcing Bellinger to play first base. Bellinger is someone, Travis, who earlier in the playoffs, we thought he might not even face any lefty pitchers. We thought he might be playing he half, the, be in the, roster. half the games <laughs> or less. Yeah, we and so he's being forced into an everyday role. Of course, he's thriving in that role uh, in those last few games, but um, having Lux be an everyday guy in center field is definitely, you know, Maybe not what you thought. It's not. It's not what the Dodgers thought was going to be the case going into the series, yep. going into the postseason. Um, so yeah, it's definitely been. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I I'm just not too. I, I'm I'm still kind of high on Dave Roberts. I think that the team has had their fair share of struggles. Um, you know, bad hands they've had to deal with. Still got to 106 wins, and they're still in the CS. The Braves are the hot hot team right now for sure in the National League. Um, the Dodgers, I think, are not out of it. Travis, before we move on. Let's kind of discuss what we see as the way these teams are going to approach these games. Because Dodgers now have three must-win games. Obviously, one will go to Scherzer, one will go to Bueller, and one will probably have to be a bullpen game. If you are the man who has to make the decision, how would you try to organize these last three games? Yeah, I mean, they talked about 
tomorrow, Thursday, being the bullpen game for the Dodgers. But of course, if that that'd be the case if they would have won today, and it'd be a two-two series. They're down three-one. Of course, they were there. They were here last year. Same team, same deficit. Of course, it's a neutral site, um, but same same team, same place, pretty much. Down three-one against the Braves um, the next year, and so tomorrow it's it's gonna it's. 99% it's going to be Max Scherzer. He has to go tomorrow. He's your acquisition in um, the trade deadline in August. And so you're going to have to go Max Scherzer. And that's really all about it. And you're going to have to hope that he can give you a ton of innings tomorrow. Bueller, of course, won't be able to go. And Urias, of course, pitched today. I don't think you go bullpen game tomorrow. I think that just gets a little bit too crazy and risky. With, with the way your bullpen has been pitching the last four games... Um, you'd be asking your bullpen to do a lot in these next three games because, you know, Scherzer and Bueller are going to have to go. And if it, it just depends on if you want Scherzer to go game six and you want Bueller to go game seven and game five can be the bullpen game. But honestly, I think Scherzer at home, he needs to go tomorrow. Um, and I think I would honestly put my money on him going tomorrow and you need to have a strong performance from him. I thinking, you know, Roberts in a perfect world is saying, Scherzer, if you can give me seven or eight, that would just be terrific. And I can rest this team and I can have an off day on Friday. And then Saturday, we can head back to Atlanta with Bueller ready to go and our bullpen sufficiently rested. Um, that's the way I look at it. Game five has to be uh, Max Scherzer. Game five for the Braves is Max Freed. He's been rested. He hasn't pitched since game one, had a great game one. Game six is Ian Anderson. So the Braves really kind of already have their next three games aligned. Max Freed, Ian Anderson, and then Game 7 goes to Charlie Morton, who had a really good game as well. Uh, and so the the Dodgers, of course, have to just get out of this offensive you know, funk that they've been in where they need to go out there and score early, get Max some runs, let him do his thing, and, you know, let him ride. I mean, I, I expect Roberts to let Scherzer ride tomorrow. He only pitched, you know, 70-something pitches in game two. He should be somewhat ready to go. I think Max Scherzer's up to the test. I mean, you'd probably interview him right now. He says, I'm ready to go in 10 innings tomorrow. So um, I think you got to ride with him. Yeah, uh, I like I like everything you said. Uh, Scherzer, I think, makes a lot of sense tomorrow just because, like you said, just through, like, I believe 70-ish pitches in his outing in game two. So, um, obviously, you know, if you went 100-plus that game, it'd be a little bit rockier about starting tomorrow. But I think, like you said, I think he is probably, you know, ready to go. I promise you he wants the ball. I do think Roberts probably gives it to him. Because um, they, they did it against the Giants, right? They were down 2-1. They had two must-win games. And Bueller said, you know, I know you want me for game five, but let me just jump ahead, skip one day of rest, it's a must-win game. Let me just take care of business, and he did. So I'm sure Scherzer's going to be asking the same exact thing, saying, let me do it. I just wish I could be in that conference room or whatever, yeah, yeah. where Max Scherzer probably, he probably calls a meeting with Roberts and says, hey, get, someone get me the coach in this room, and I'm going to tell him that I'm going to pitch tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's not I, Roberts' decision. It's my decision, yeah. Right, yeah. and and so I wish I could I could hear them t- talk that out. But essentially, Travis, I agree that Scherzer should be the guy. Um and like you said, you know, it's going to be a good matchup with Freed as well. Scherzer has been, you know, it's almost like the, I'll always kind of remember, Travis, the 2019 Garrett Cole and how good he was that year. Runner-up Cy Young, which is what Scherzer might be. He could win the Cy Young. Mm-hmm. could be runner-up. Mm-hmm. Um, Garrett Cole that year did not get used in the Game 7 of the World Series. And I'll always just kind of remember as saying, 
you know, when the chips are on the table and it's, you know, I have to win this game or I'm going to go home, uh, you know, I think every single pitcher is saying, put me in the game. I'm yeah. ready. And so I'm sure, sure that will be the case. Yeah. Um, and I think Roberts will give it to him. Uh, game two got pulled out for 70 pitches. I remember seeing a post game where he said uh, he actually agreed with Roberts. He said that he likes Vestia in the matchup a lot better. I think it was against Rosario. I could be mistaken. But I think Scherzer said that uh, whoever the batter was, he was hitting him. He was hitting Scherzer well, and he wanted to put in the lefty. So I really do wonder what kind of leash they do give Scherzer. If Scherzer gives up, you know, two runs and there's maybe two men on base with one out in like the fifth inning, do you pull him? I'm really excited to see how they're going to manage the pitching because the bullpen has been so worked, like we've been discussing. It's been so worked. I mean, at least Urias gave him a good five innings today, which is better than some of the earlier. If you look at the American League, Travis, some of the pitchers are giving you two innings at most. But, um, yeah, essentially the bullpen has been worked. Um, so I wonder what kind of leash they give to Scherzer and then probably to Bueller. Um, at the end of the day, you have to win all three games. So you have to win a Scherzer game, a Bueller game, and a bullpen game of some sort. Um, so, yeah, I, I wonder how they'll organize it. Uh, I assume Scherzer tomorrow, and that way, if possible, he could maybe give you an inning in Game 7. That seems like a lot of work for it, one series, but at the end of the day, he wants to do it because he wants to win a ring, and I think every guy wants to win a ring, so... They didn't, they, didn't, they didn't know what they have to do. No, it, it seems like a lot, but, you know, and I think you even look back, even point out Garrett Cole in 2019, he went game five against the Nationals in Washington. And then, of course, game seven was ready. And I think the same thing happened with Madison Bumgarner, went game five in 2014 in the World Series, and then game seven came out of the bullpen. I believe he pitched five innings. Went, went on a super unreal, unhuman nature tear, of course, in that postseason. But that's what you need with Scherzer. Um, he honestly has to be the guy tomorrow i mean i i, I mean you, you if they say bullpen game I, I mean maybe scherzer comes in in the third inning if in a bullpen game maybe they start you know brewstard or canable again and they have scherzer kind of waiting but i just feel like that's a little bit um no i think yeah i think i don't know yeah scherzer's the kind of guy who if you're gonna give him the game you give him the game Jurgis was a bit different in that game five against the giants because Urias has done work as a reliever and a starter. And is better as a reliever. Yep. Last postseason was pretty much the closer for like... Exactly. Give him three innings with a two-run lead. He's going to hold it the whole exactly. way. And that, that, that's how they did it. And that's how that's what worked. So, like you said, I, I mean, I do think that Scherzer is the kind of guy who you give him the ball in the first. You don't mess around with him. Because if you give him a 1-0 one, a, a one game in the second inning, he's going to be pissed about that the whole time. He's not going to like that at all. So... Um, yeah, I think that if you're going to go Scherzer, you just go Scherzer properly, um, give him the ball. Um, and people have been clamoring, Travis. A lot of a lot of baseball fans, you know, I, I'm sure it's pretty divided, but a lot of baseball fans out there are saying they don't, they don't like how the starting pitching has been diminished. It's been all about, you know, openers or short leashes, bullpen games. And it really comes down to managers just want to pull the guy before they give up the big meltdown, essentially. And... Um, it, I'm really interested to see how they manage a situation where Scherzer has some men on base. Because obviously, what 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 other pitcher could you possibly want on the mound the Dodgers have? He's going to be your best option. Definitely. But if he does get into trouble, what do you do? I, I'm excited to watch these, the rest of the series. Definitely. What happens tomorrow and what happens in the series? <sighs> interesting, interesting. That, uh, that question was obviously coming, but I was not ready. Um, so I do think the Braves will win just by sheer mathematics. Like, there's 
winning three games, two of them in Atlanta, is going to be very, very difficult for the Dodgers, especially knowing that one of them will have to be mostly bullpen, a bullpen that's been overworked, and a bullpen that the Braves have hit pretty well so far this series. So based on that, I will pick Braves. Um, I definitely think it, it's hard. it just comes down to the Dodgers' bats. I'm not too worried about Bueller or Scherzer. At worst, they give up three or four, and that's not too big of a deal. Um, it seems like the, the Dodgers' bats are in pretty bad a pretty bad funk. So maybe I might pick the Braves to win tomorrow, um, or maybe that might happen in Game Six. I don't think it goes seven. I think the I think the Braves just have all the momentum, and the Dodgers' bats have been pretty I guess pretty asleep. Uh, a big part of that, I think, is having no Max Muncy in the top of that order. A guy who always kind of set the table with great discipline, a power threat. He had to pitch around him almost, and it led to a lot of guys on base. Um, so, yeah, I guess I will lean to a... I'll say Dodgers win tomorrow, and then they lose the Walker Bueller game. That's my guess. Interesting. Okay. I'm, I'm going I'm going Braves tomorrow. You think Braves win tomorrow? Braves tomorrow. Um, and, and you know what? If you even said Dodgers in seven, I would say that is not the craziest thing I've heard in my life. Oh, that, no, no, that, no, no. That, that could very much happen. I mean, honestly, the Dodgers are the team you just do not want to sleep on. Well, I mean, if you just break it down like this, Scherzer versus Freed. Scherzer's the better pitcher. Look, is, he, is, he, is he, though? Yes, he's the better pitcher. Is he, though, in the postseason? Yes, he's the better uh, in the postseason. Uh, uh, Travis is very high on Max Freed. Max Freed is a Freed Anderson, man. Those two young guys can, can, can do shove, shove it to any team, so... They're, they're, they're both good pitchers. They're both worse than Max Scherzer and Walker Buehler. Freed, in the postseason Freed or Anderson, in general. Freed Anderson, Morton, one hell of a next three-game lineup. Well, that, that that's the exact thing. Scherzer and Buehler, I think, are both better than their opponent pitchers, assuming that you know they do go Scherzer for five, Buehler for six. Um, but then, yeah, game seven, it'll just come down to uh, if the Dodgers' bats can get it done because the Dodgers' bats on paper are better than the Braves' bats. Especially without the Ronald Acuna and the Jorge Soler both being out, you know, Soler missing the series, I think made me think the Dodgers have this wrapped because Soler was so good for them in the in the division series, and then just at the end of the season he was just hot. But um, I think on paper the Dodgers bats are much better, but this series has been the complete opposite. Um, so I just would I would predict that it would continue that way. But of course, okay. if, the, if the Dodgers get hot, like you said. Winning in seven is not crazy because if Mookie, Bellinger, you know, Chris Taylor becomes an all-star again, if they all just kind of s- get in sync at the right time, it's curtains for the league. They, they are they are the most talented team on paper by probably a margin. Um, another wrinkle trap we didn't even mention is that Justin Turner left this game with a, with a hamstring injury of some sort. Look pretty serious, yeah. Um, had to hobble off with the help of a, of a trainer. So and And good old T.O. A Tio, Tio Travis, we both noticed that Tio did help. He helped uh, Justin Turner into the, into the clubhouse and gonna go help. It. He's gonna give his expert opinion on the, the hamstring. Uh, <laughs> I, di- I think a couple of massages and ice packs will be will be Tio's job uh, for tonight. Yeah. Yep. But Travis Turner notoriously rakes against lefties, loves lefties. Tomorrow's freed on the bump. It could be a kind of guy that makes a difference. No Muncy, no Turner. Two guys that have been sort of spark plugs every single playoff run for the Dodgers. Um, both going to be missing in the rest of the, you know, Turner at least I'm assuming is not playing tomorrow. Might miss the series. There's no there's no word on it from the medical staff yet, but um, it definitely is looking like a lot of momentum not in favor of the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. I definitely agree. I, I don't think Turner. I think it's a it's a 100 chance Turner is not playing tomorrow. The rest of the series too. Um, those hamstring injuries. It really 
will take a toll on you. I mean, you, I mean, you need at least a week off to do something, even to just kind of get in an athletic stance. Um, something that Turner, it, it's going to definitely um, be be a killer for that Dodgers left side of the infield. Um, but yeah, um, we have our picks. Braves, of course, will be um, sh- you know from us will be advancing the World I Series. I mean, it, it, it's not it's not the most. Uh... It's not the most comfortable pick, I feel, ever. Well, no, I was going to say, it's not like the most uh, brave pick either, or not the most bold pick, because yeah, we're picking yeah. the teams up 3-1. For, yeah, no, for exactly, good, for exactly, sakes. exactly. But still, it's a little, it'd it still be very scary, of course, because you know the Dodgers, of course, still have, um, you know, they're, they're somewhat like the Astros. They can still come back and kick and, you in any way. And know. Travis, I almost wonder if, if, if the Dodgers think that they have an edge on Freed after already seeing him once, I almost wonder if, you know, maybe you do go the bullpen game tomorrow, and that way, against more because do you really want Morton versus bullpen? I feel like if you had Bueller versus Morton in that game, it almost puts you in a better spot. It's hard to say because either way, you have to win a bullpen game at some point. Yeah. So yeah. it depends when you want that to happen. And what's very interesting too is that the Braves have been facing Scherzer for years on the Nationals in the same division. So that's true. That's I- definitely one disadvantage for the Dodgers is that Scherzer. Um, has has faced this Braves offense. You know he may know some things, but also the Braves hitters may know some things as well. I, so I think Max Scherzer said just the other day they asked him who do you think the best hitter is uh, that you faced in in baseball, and he said that he thinks it's Freddie Freeman just because, uh, like you said, I think they probably played a lot of matchups. Mm-hmm. Freeman knows what to expect, and Freeman, of course, the righty lefty, it's just probably, you know, a guy who he's seen so much definitely, and uh, the respect is there for Freeman. Um, so Scherzer definitely, uh, he's, he's definitely up for the task, but it's going to be tough with those, with those bats. No, definitely, definitely. And, um, that pretty much, I mean, that pretty much wraps up our little kind of mid series take on both teams. Um, you know, following up what happens this weekend, what happens tomorrow, um, and really see, you know, who we got in the, uh, in the 2021 world series, um, coming at, uh, this next upcoming Tuesday, I think it's the 26th. And so, um, should be really exciting to see who really takes it this weekend and maybe even who takes it tomorrow um, for the Braves um, or if you guys listening today. Uh, but just to kind of end it, a uh, little bit of breaking news. Uh, Friday, October 22nd, Game 6, Red Sox-Astros. It is Nathan Evaldi starting for the Boston Red wow. Sox. And so Evaldi will get the start for the Red Sox. Still determined or you know, to be determined for the Houston Astros. And of course, still to be determined tomorrow for the LA Dodgers. But at this Nathan Evaldi, yep. at this rate, might as well start on Game Seven because it seems like he's he's not he has no stamina bar. He's just gonna keep refilling. But yeah, Evaldi Game Six. That's actually that's super exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, game Seven, you could see a mixture of Pavetta, Hauk, um, and Evaldi. Yeah, he's gonna keep going. <laughs> he's never gonna stop. They need him, man. He's their guy. Pi- two hundred pitches he's, in two he's, days. He's their guy. Ride ride the hot hand. But yeah, and, and honestly, in October, anything can happen. So. Um, anything else, Alex, on this episode? No. Uh, yeah, I think we wrapped it all up. Uh, two exciting series that still have a lot of juice left. I do believe that both series can still be interesting, you know, down to the wire, both with some Game 7 potential. But uh, they're upset up, Travis. We will cover the rest of these series on Sunday night, and we will get this next podcast to, out to you guys on Monday. Uh, that way you can have a full day to listen before the World Series we will wrap up the rest of the CS and preview the World Series, all our takes about the matchups. I'm excited. Um, it can still go a few different ways, and uh, we'll get the, that info to you guys on Monday. So if you made it this far, thanks so much for listening. Drop a follow. Let us know uh, who you got in the rest of these series and who you got in the World Series. But we'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks.
presented by Tool Tools Podcast.